0: Available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the podcast of champions. On
1: the field.
0: I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online.
1: And here he goes,
0: Miles. Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC. We are the podcast of champions. Welcome everybody back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site for the Scout.com network.
1: And I am Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network, and we are the podcast of champions, talking Pac-12 football. Lots of exciting stuff going on, some really cool matchups. This weekend to we'll get some rivalry games over the next two weeks. You can email us if you have a question, pac12 podcast at gmail.com. Go to our website pac 12 podcastcom or tweet us on the twitter at pack12podcast you can even call and leave a voicemail which we haven't been doing much of but hell just give us a call 641-715-3900 extension 734972 give give dave and i a shout out say just say hello let us hear your voice
0: yeah we we haven't heard i mean i don't think we've gotten a voicemail in it's probably a year now <laughs>
1: We used to do it a lot and then we, we kind of stopped the podcast for a while. So they've mostly been email <laughs> questions. And there's just not a lot of room on the show now. We're not doing multiple shows a week too.
0: Yeah. And we kind of stopped doing this for five months, but what, <laughs> what are you going to do? All right. You know, we both have lives to lead, things to do, you know, things, but we're actually going to continue at this time and that feels good.
1: Yeah. I think so. I think we got it. We got it rolling pretty good now. You know, it took us a couple of months to uh, get a feel for what's been going on, but it was kind of a crazy week. I want to give our shout out to Pac-12 Football Players of the Week. Uh so that was November 14th. Offense was Sam Darnold, uh USC quarterback, uh had a big game over Washington. Utah, uh Hunter Dimmick, who had five sacks, I believe it was, against is that a lot? That's <laughs> that a lot in one game. <laughs> that seems you know what? like he a lot.
0: He had more sacks against ASU and I only know this because I did the preview this week. He had more sacks against ASU than any USC player has had this year.
1: That's that's pretty crazy.
0: Think I think what Porter Gustin I think is leading with four and a half. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um so he had a big game. Uh they had a big there's a lot of tackles for loss that game, which we'll get to in a little bit. You know, Dory Jackson gets uh two interceptions against, you know, a Heisman trophy uh contender. And the, you know, number four ranked team in the country, and he doesn't win that week. You know, you did something good. So Hunter Dimmick, yeah. hats off to you. And then, uh, Caleb Fossum for Washington State had a, uh, kick. It was a punt return, I believe, for a touchdown. So he ended up getting special
0: teams player of the week. Sure. That seems fine. If you ever, so taking you all a little inside baseball, if you ever see the list of nominees for any of these awards, Sometimes there's only like three or four nominees for a particular award because like some teams just won't put up a special teams player that week or whatever. Um, so some of these awards, uh, are somewhat won by default occasionally.
1: Yeah, sometimes like that. It was, uh, it, yeah, sometimes there's like two guys nominated. You're like, what? And the special yeah. teams won. I try to do it like when I vote, I try to do like, all right, if, did they play a good team and did they have a good performance? Right. Like if it's, in a blowout loss and you had three sacks, it's like, yeah, I'm probably not going to vote you for them, you know, for the player of the week.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm kind of of the same mind.
1: Um. Well, okay. So what we're going to do today, we'll go over the games from uh last week in order. And uh just, I, I guess we should give people an update on our picks because this is a really important week for that.
0: Don't, don't, don't <laughs> start me. No, don't start with me. uh
1: two games up. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, yeah, we were tied, and I went five and one against the spread, which is kind of ridiculously good. And uh, Dave went three and three, which isn't bad, but it's not five and
0: one. So, uh, hey, but from a game theory standpoint, I'm doing really well because I pick first on all these games for the vast majority of time. So you know, you have an advantage theoretically.
1: Theoretically, yeah, I guess. Uh, don't buy it, but okay, fine. We'll go. <laughs> we'll go with that. But yeah, so it was a you know pretty good week. Uh, doing the picks and so we're going to go over the six games in the pack 12 uh, in the order they were played and then we'll go through a reverse order uh, for uh, week 12 the preview uh, so we'll go through reverse order of our uh, podcast of champions power rankings which we adjusted today many hours we spent in the war room trying to figure out the rankings because one through five pretty good six through 12 not as good dave
0: yeah, I mean, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit. I think six might be setting it apart as like the sole, um, occupier of tier two in the Pac-12. Um, but yeah, there are clear, there's a pretty clear divide, especially after number five, number six, uh, to the bottom six in the league. It's, it, it's a lot of trash, a lot of trash back there.
1: <laughs> and then, uh, we'll answer some questions. So should be a full show. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it or enjoyed our, coverage the last uh couple months and we'll keep going and we get a lot of emails and stuff and uh, people seem to like it with the twitter so we'll keep doing what we're doing dave
0: yeah with the twitter with the tweets yeah with the twits and the and the tweets all this internet stuff you know it's like it's crazy i yeah. wonder if it'll
1: stick around if the internet's here to stay or if it's just a fad
0: yeah you don't know it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to say at this point it's still been too uh too short of a time
1: well let's uh let's go over the game so we're going to start the uh thursday night game which um Really, kind of frustrating from a picking point because uh, Dave and I both got this one wrong. But it was
0: uh, Utah. And it felt really good for a long time too. It did Utah and Arizona State. Yeah, so number fifteen Utah went at ASU one forty nine twenty six. But it really that doesn't really tell you what this game was like. It was a very very close game um, through three quarters. It's twenty eight twenty six Utah. In fact, I mean ASU jumped out to a thirteen point lead to start the game. Um, but Utah's defense actually took over quite a bit in the fourth quarter, just a sack fest, and uh, they managed to score 21 points. Um, Troy Williams, who we talked about in the preview, we weren't sure if he was going to be able to take advantage of ASU's kind of bad secondary. He really was. Um, and probably most surprising is ASU's run defense had been pretty good coming into this game. Utah averaged almost 10 yards a carry. Um, Joe Williams went 15 carries for 181 yards. So that's 12.1 for uh, the uh, <laughs> Mr. Retiree. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I think if ASU defensively can't stop the run, which is kind of their bread and butter defensively, they might be. I mean, in those games where they can't stop the run, they're probably the worst defensive team in the Pac-12 because their pass defense is that bad.
1: It's uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. And it's funny because you think you'd like a Utah is the kind of team that likes to run the football, Dave. And yep, not against ASU. They just came out throwing the football all over the place, but it did start off really poorly for Utah. I mean, the opening snap, uh, bounced off Troy Williams face. I believe. it's like he wasn't even looking and you're like, okay, that's a good start. So Arizona State, like you said, and we're looking at it from the spread point of view. We were getting five points in ASU. So they were up like 18 nothing at the time and then ended up. Uh, blowing it. But yeah, there were some, some guys wide open for Troy Williams and he, he threw some, he had some good plays too, but just so many negative plays for the Sun Devil over and over and over again. It was just negative play, negative play, tons of penalties. And so I think Arizona State kind of got screwed a few times. Some pass interference calls that kept some Utah drives alive, but really 22 tackles for loss, uh, for Utah and 11 sacks. And uh, that's more than 13 teams have you know had all year, which is crazy. Um, but it was really bad first quarter for Utah. Then they just went it was like gangbusters. So I don't know, maybe they got pissed off. They we dropped them in the power rankings, Dave, and they just fought fought back. But yeah, they they uh, played well for second, third, and fourth quarters.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know for ASU, I thought you know Manny Wilkins threw a couple of picks, but I actually you know watching him, I thought he played pretty well. I, I still don't think he's 100 percent. Um, You know, Nikhil Harry, I, he only had one, uh, what did he have? One carry for a touchdown, but then he had eight catches for 114 yards. This guy's a true freshman doing this. He's going to be a star. Um, I mean, he, he's already really, really impressive. So there are some highlights to take for ASU, but this is quickly turning into, um, I, I think, uh, the year a lot of ASU fans were maybe expecting, you know, kind of get to 6-6, six and six, maybe get to a bowl game. Um, but maybe not in the fashion that they've done it. Um, ASU started the year what? It was five and one, four and zero oh to start the year, um, and they're kind of stumbling to the finish here. They've got a tough matchup this week, which we'll talk about. Um, decent chance to get to six and six because they still play. Uh, spoiler alert: the number twelve team in our Pac-12 <laughs> <laughs> Power Ranking. But um, yeah, they're uh, they're not good, and they're uh, they're they're struggling here at the end.
1: All right, well, that was the Thursday game. Let's move over. That was on FS1. Then we have uh, Saturday. There's a five-game slate in the Pac-12. Um, so first one, the first game was, which we thought would be like kind of the decider of the North, uh, Stanford and Oregon.
0: Yeah. We were wrong. We thought it was going to be the decider of the North like in the first week of the season. Um, so Stanford went at Oregon, and this was a game where I believe Stanford was favored by three on the road. And they uh, they covered that by an extra 22 points. Um, they won 52 to 27. And I don't even know that that's a perfect indication of the way this game was going. Stanford just, they just, they, they went full ball control in the fourth quarter. Didn't really do anything towards the end of the third quarter either. Um, they could have easily, uh, and this is a shocking thing to say about Stanford's offense this year, they could have easily put up 70 points. Um, Oregon's defense was putting up virtually no resistance. And frankly, Oregon's offense wasn't very good. Um, they weren't controlling the ball well. They weren't, you know, scoring as regularly as they needed to, to keep up on this one. Um, we made a lot of fun of Keller Christ before this game <laughs> because he was averaging, I think, about three and a half yards per attempt. Uh, he averaged kind of that magic number. He was right around 10 yards per attempt in this one. Um, through three touchdowns looked you know, completely in control and command looked very good. And Christian McCaffrey and the running game really got going in this one again. Um, you know, it's against Oregon. And so you want to, you want to temper it because it's against Oregon, which might have, um, one of the worst, which does have one of the worst defenses in the Pac-12 might have the worst defense in the Pac-12, which seems like a phrase I'm saying a lot, but they're pretty bad too. Um, you want to temper it a little bit, but I think Stanford might be doing that thing they did two years ago where they struggled a little bit, scuffled a little bit to start the year. But then by the end of the year, we're playing kind of, you know, much, much better football, setting them up for a really good 2015. That might be what's happening here. They they seem to have found their quarterback. Um, they seem to have reestablished some things on the offensive line to get a running game going. Um, this is two straight weeks, and albeit against two not very good defenses, but two straight weeks where they've gotten the running game going. I think Stanford might be surging and they're poised to finish the year nine and three and, uh, and then six and three in conference. And that's, that's pretty damn good for a rebuilding year.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny where you think, oh man, it's a down year for Stanford. It's still pretty good. I know the expectations were high and that's why, but seeing that number 52 up there and we both, we both got this one right. We were gay. We both took Stanford, uh, and given away three points. And it was like that. I mean, that was easy money, but it, you know, we were completely right on this that I felt and you know we felt like Oregon was going in the wrong direction. Stanford's not playing at the you know peak uh performance level but playing better and they even took a few steps forward in this game. It'll be interesting to see if they can keep it going. Um, just scoring multiple touchdowns a game has been a problem for Stanford. The right. Oregon defense will kind of help you with that but 52 points was a lot. We were in the the press box up in Seattle kind of looking over and seeing the points being scored. I'm like, holy crap, man. This, I didn't expect Stanford to have that kind of offensive explosion. Felt they'd win comfortably. Uh, but maybe not by that much. And it's, t- I mean, for Oregon, it's not getting any easier. Um, you know, playing on the road at Utah and at Oregon State, it's going to be rough, Dave, um, for the Ducks. And I, you know, what, what are we going to talk about this off season? The, the future of Mark Helfrich and the, the coaching position at, at Oregon, you know, at one point, they got that win uh, over Arizona State, and you're like, oh, maybe they're going in the right direction. But, yeah. you know, USC, Stanford, Oregon, Oregon I mean, uh, Utah and Oregon State, so it's a kind of rough way to finish out the season. It doesn't look like it's going to end well.
0: Yeah, it doesn't look like a team. I mean, it looks like a team that wants the season to end as soon as possible. Um, and, like, the the big thing for Oregon is, I mean their defense is bad. It's very bad. Um and it needs to be better for them to be good again, but their offense it's fine. Um it's been fine over the last couple of weeks, but if I mean they need their offense to be elite. Um and that's just for their brand for everything. Um and it's just been you know, it's been kind of so-so the last couple of weeks. Um and not necessarily super efficient. So, um I think they've got a lot of things to figure out. I think they're going to fire Mike, Mark Helfrich like a gun. Um, I know there's some <laughs> Oregon people who think that maybe they won't, but I think that's more Oregon fans like kind of just being shell shocked and not really. Um, I, just the optics of this are so bad. There's a very good chance they're not going to be favored against Oregon State in two weeks. Like Oregon State, I, I was reading some Vegas projection who has Oregon State is probably three point home favorite. Um, that in and of itself is a disaster. Um, because that's not a good Oregon State team. It's not even like. Uh, an average Oregon State team. That's a bad Oregon State team, and Oregon might not be favored in that game. Um, Wow. How far this program has fallen, um, I think they definitely need to change um, something, and I think it starts at the top. I think they need to get Hellfrick out of there um, and uh, and start some sort of rebuilding process. I, I think the biggest indictment of Oregon... Um, has been the inability to recruit quarterbacks since Marcus Mariota. Um, you know they've had to go the JC route, or not the JC, but the FCS route, the last two years, and it worked out fine-ish last year, um, but not so good this year. And they've had to, you know, start a true freshman who looks talented, but um, I, I don't think they've they've done what they needed to do to keep this offensive machine rolling, and uh and it's coming home to roost a little bit.
1: Yeah, uh, rough sledding for the Ducks. Um, but they're not going to get a lot of sympathy. All the points they put up on, no one's going to feel bad for them. The other 11 teams are like, Hey, I finally get a shot at, uh, beating these guys. So, um, we'll see what happens, but it's, uh, it's not looking, not, not looking great right now. No. Uh, next one. So the next game was the big one of the week. Uh, our number two team, USC going on the road to, uh, our number one team, Washington up in Seattle.
0: Yeah, so USC went on the road and uh, really took care of business. I think we both had this one correct. I don't think we necessarily had USC winning, no. um, and certainly not by the score they did, but uh, this was, I mean, frankly, it was a 13-point game, but it felt pretty dominant in the moment. Um, USC really, really handled off- uh, Washington offensively. Um, the Huskies got a lot of... Pub for their defense coming into this year and throughout the year, but frankly, their offense was a little bit better than their defense, and uh, USC's defense, which has slowly but surely come along throughout the year, um, uh, shut down what was an elite offense. Um, you know, holding Washington to 13 points, six first-half points, two field goals, that's damned impressive. And then offensively, against the really good defense, USC was fairly efficient and got the job done. Um, they weren't, you know, running the ball at the clip they were in previous games, but um, Sam Darnold was plenty good, um, and uh, they they won a tough game against a tough defense. And, uh, you know, I think if you're a USC fan, you, you kind of, if you were paying attention last few weeks, you knew what you had in Darnold, but I think you have to be most encouraged by this defensive performance against Washington, um, making Jake Browning look pretty pedestrian, making that rushing game look awful. I mean, Washington ran for only 17 yards in this one you do those two things, I think you've got to be very, very excited about not only the close of this year, but uh, potentially into next year, because it doesn't sound like Clancy Pendergrass is going anywhere. Um, Clay Helton, I think, professed his love for him on Dan Patrick just a few <laughs> hours ago. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, for USC, they're definitely surging at this moment.
1: Yeah, defensively, it's funny. You watch them. There's not a lot of substituting. Uh, it's kind of, they just throw out a nickel package out there. There's only two down linemen, and they let uh, Porter Gustin and Nichenna and Wusu, the two like outside kind of stand up guys, try to generate some pressure and then they'll, they'll blitz some guys from different spots. Uh, but it seems to be enough to, con- it's not, it doesn't look that complicated, but it seems to be able to confuse opposing quarterbacks. And Jake Browning just did not look like himself and not having a run game certainly contributes to that. And they were able to shut down the run. 17 yards. I mean, they had more rushing yards than that. There was a bunch of sack yardage too, but, um, yeah, certainly. The defense played well. Adoree Jackson got a couple of picks, and the only touchdown that that Washington scored is when USC's best player, basically on defense, Adoree Jackson fell down, and they th- so it was wide open. Um, I
0: got to give props to Adoree though for then tweeting out that play after the game, where he got you know put on his butt by John Ross, <laughs> and saying something like "It happens to everybody," <laughs> uh, but he he like tweeted out the GIF, which was pretty funny.
1: It was yeah. He's like, "Yep, I got beat on that one." Um so that, that, yeah, that was like, you take away that one, you know, when your best player falls down and that's the only touchdown you give up, that's a pretty good defensive performance. And Sam Darnold to me has just been, you know, lights out. When you watch him, he got sacked once in this game, but he avoids so many sacks and it's not just he avoids it, Dave, and then runs. He'll avoid it and runs sometimes, but he avoids it and fi- finds guys downfield. And by then like coverages have broken down. I think a proof, pro football focus did a stat. It was like, he was like 11 of 12 throwing the ball for 10 yards or greater. Um, so that's a, I mean, that's pretty good, uh, to oh, be yeah. able to, when you throw it downfield, you're connecting. And, uh, the first, ca- the first, the first half, they were so efficient on third down. They were four of five. And the only one that they didn't complete was a drop that Tyler Petit just dropped it. Darnell hit him right in the numbers. So because they could keep the ball as long as they did and, and keep drives going it really hurt the washington offense as well so they they've kind of worked together the defense playing well and the offense playing well at the same time
0: you know i was watch, watching this game um and you can tell me what you think but uh, watching i thought washington's defensive game plan was a little weird um the way they defended darnold especially because it seemed so much that they were trying to play contain and like darnold is a good running quarterback but he's not like he's not like one of those run first guys who's going to you know someday run for a 1,000 yards in a season. That's not his game. And I thought they were kind of overestimating and overprotecting against his running ability and maybe underestimating his ability to sit in the pocket and make throws. Um, it just, it, it seemed like they weren't necessarily trying to get home as much as they were trying to contain him and keep him to a pocket. And I thought that was, you know, if you were really paying attention the last few weeks, Darnold is good in a pocket. hes He, he can make throws. Um, and he's been making throws all season. So, I thought that was just kind of a peculiar game plan. Did you get that impression watching it that they weren't necessarily, you know, trying to, they didn't want to create running lanes behind them?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think they were, they were trying to stop the run in general. Um, and they, I think they dedicated more guys to the box, but it wasn't like they were, uh, bringing everyone after Darnold and trying to force him anything. He, yeah. he moved around inside the pocket a lot. If you watch his footwork, it was kind of like shifting one way, shifting another. There were some times where you'd have to roll out and get completely outside, but a lot of it was just, shorter movements quicker movements to like avoid a little bit of a rush one you know left or right and then find somebody downfield but yeah i it's funny like people look at this game like oh usc won in seattle if they played in the championship game on a neutral field i think washington's game plan would be different i think there would be more they'd be more dedicated to try to run the football and i think there would be they would change like you said on on defense what they were doing um yeah they were successful in stopping the run but usc was Was able to do it enough to keep them honest and then, but they had so much success in the passing game. So yeah, I think that the strategy might have been, I think if they played again, Dave, their strategy would be a little bit different.
0: Yeah, I think they'd still probably lose. I think USC's talent is starting to come to bear. Um, but I would, I would pay money to watch that game again. I think it would be very interesting to see how Chris Peterson would respond to this sort of game, but I think the Pac-12 championship game is going to be fun regardless at this point.
1: It would, and uh, you know, it and it's tough. I think Washington. You you've seen the defense year after year with Chris Peterson, how great it's been. Losing Joe Mathis was tough. Losing your top linebacker in the game is he. I mean that. I, I don't know if the depth is there to be able to lose like some of the you know top guys at different levels and still be able to perform. Uh, we've seen them replace a lot of guys, but it, that that's just hard to do.
0: Yeah, and they're still very young um comparatively uh you know we were talking a year uh, at the beginning of the year how they might be a year ahead of schedule or you know they might be a year away i think is what we were saying and i think they've played maybe a little bit above their experience and above their heads this year um but if they finish the year and it looks like they have a decent chance of finishing the year in the you know 11 and 1 range or even 10 and 2 that would be a huge win even though you know Even and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but even if it was looking like they were a playoff team, you know, four or five weeks ago, um, still finishing this year ten and two in what was thought to be, you know, by most people, uh, thought to be like maybe the year before they're really elite. That'd be great. Um, You know, obviously everything's trending upward for Washington.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, this is you know, Chris Peterson's done a great job. Team on the rise. A little bump in the road, but they still have a chance, and we'll talk about you know, projections and all that kind of stuff later on. Um next up we had uh the Oregon State Beavers and the UCLA Bruins.
0: Uh yeah. This was a football game. Um the <laughs> UCLA won at home thirty eight twenty four. Um you know that that sounds like a fun score and a fun game. This this was this was another pretty unwatchable UCLA football game this year. Um Oregon State was in it. Um, it was kind of by hook and by crook that they were in it. Um, they weren't. I, I think if you were if you were analyzing this game from an advanced stats perspective, um, UCLA probably should have won it by quite a bit more. Um, they jumped out to 20, 21 points in the first quarter against Oregon State, um, but you know the Beaver just kind of hung in there a little bit. Um, you know they were able to connect on some things in the passing game a little. For the most part, though, they scored off of Let's go through it all. They scored off of a fumble return touchdown, another fumble return that went to the UCLA three-yard line, and then (laughs) a punt return that was kind of tricky. They did the thing where they faked like they were – it was the thing that USC did with uh, Pittman a week ago where they faked like they were – like the punt had gone right and then the guy on the left caught it and went down to the UCLA sixteen. And that's how Oregon State scored their three touchdowns. Um, UCLA's defense only allowed effectively three points in this one. Um, but still, and this is just kind of the way UCLA season has gone, uh, still it was a one score game, um, heading into the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, I mean, UCLA got a win. They broke their four game, you know, losing streak and Randall go forth, sealed it with a, a pick six there at the end, but, um, you know, Having a few struggles at home against Oregon State, a two and eight team, one and six in conference, um, I don't think is how any UCLA person saw this season going.
1: It's uh, so I was watching this one on my iPad next to uh, my computer in the press box when I was covering the game and uh, after the game and stuff, and uh, I saw the twenty one nothing and and Dave. This is one pick Dave and I had differently. I had UCLA minus twelve, and Dave took Oregon State. So, I had
0: this one so pegged until <laughs> that
1: pick six at the end. <laughs> the backdoor cover. Well, okay, the beginning of the, you know your own
0: admission, whatever.
1: Oregon State whatever. scored a bunch of crazy, like I was watching, it was like oh, 21
0: so, nothing or whatever it was. I'm like, okay, this is over. UCLA having a bunch of stupid stuff happen in a football game this year is something predictable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it was. it was. I mean, I was
0: like, how is Oregon State still in this game? It
1: just looked like UCLA was by far the better team and weird stuff would happen. They should have won this game by like four touchdowns. Yeah. Um, so then I felt bad. Then you feel like, you know, you feel like you're getting cheated. Like you totally outplayed them and they're not going to cover this game. And I was, and I had it in the back of my head, Dave, I'm like backdoor cover, backdoor. <laughs> and then it starts, the time starts. It was only a couple minutes left. And you're like, there's no way. Usually not going to score again at this point. It's like, you basically need a defensive yeah. touchdown and lo and behold.
0: <laughs> there it was. Yeah. That was great. That was great. I'm, I was really happy for you. Um, <laughs> UCLA's run game actually got going in this one yeah. um, a little. Uh, now, again, and I, I realize I'm saying this phrase a lot about these bottom-tier Pac-12 teams, Oregon State legitimately does have the worst rush defense in the Pac-12, at least by some statistical measures. Um, so there's only so much you can take from this. But 29 carries for 163 yards and three touchdowns, that's pretty good. And they used a rotation of five different running backs uh clearly trying to get something going. Um and uh each of them brought something a little bit different to the table. Um Jalen Starks, the true freshman who's kind of full back build, uh came in and I don't think he lost yardage on any of his ten carries, but he got twenty four yards on those ten carries and got, you know, two and a half yards basically every single one. Um and scored a couple of touchdowns. Um but yeah. So U C L A, uh they won a game. They they won a football game against uh, uh you know, a very very poor Pac-12 North. <laughs>
1: um, and it's funny, when we were talking about Oregon, and I mentioned having go on the road to Oregon State, like, I don't look at, I know, yeah, it's two and eight, and all. I just don't look at Oregon State as that bad
0: of a team. They're not great. They're, they're not. They're, they're not good. They're not really average, but they're not, like, the complete disaster they were last year. They're a competitive team. They've been competitive in, I mean, pretty much any game aside from, what Colorado this year? Yeah, they've been at least semi-competitive for long stretches of the game. Um, and that Colorado game that was even like <laughs> it's gonna sound weird. It didn't feel like a forty-one point loss. <laughs> like it, it, they they felt a little bit more competitive than that. But that was a blowout. Um, Washington, even that one. I mean, they they, they covered the they covered against yeah. Washington. Yeah. Um, and then Washington State, they could have won that at home. Stanford, they could have won that on the road. And UCLA, they were. You know, down by a score entering the fourth quarter. So, um, they're, they're certainly, certainly a more competitive team than they were last year. And you've got to be, I don't know. It's small, it's, you know, small comfort, but, um, for Gary Anderson, that's at least a little bit of a bump.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 and especially at home, they're a different team. And that's why I didn't pick, if, if they were playing UCLA at home, I would have picked them to cover. Um, but on the road, they just haven't been as good. Although they, you know, they were scrappy in this one. So, but uh, that's why I think when the Ducks go to Corvallis, it's going to be tough because uh, this is not a team that's. This team that's going to play well. Um, we'll see. We'll see uh, what they're able to do. But it's you know it's rough for the Beavers. But don't if you're a Beaver fan, don't give up hope. It, there's signs <laughs> of life there. Like they look like they're going in the right direction. So um, we'll see. Hopefully next year. Let's see. Uh, next up, we had uh, Arizona and Colorado. This one was on FS1.
0: Yeah, so I didn't watch a minute of this game live. Um, I watched a little bit of it later. Uh, Colorado actually got off to a pretty slow start in this one. Um, they just, you know, weren't kind of generating much against Arizona and it was actually a pretty tight game for a stretch there. Um, but then they turned it on in a big way in the second half. Um, and Arizona kind of fell apart. Um, offensively, Arizona's just been kind of a mess this year and that's not something you typically expect from a Rich Rodriguez team. Obviously, they've had some issues at quarterback and they're, you know, kind of playing a couple of guys at this point with Brandon Dawkinson and New Solomon both split in time. And I think Khalil Tate's still out there. He might potentially, uh, play a little bit more. I think he, I saw him take a, take a couple of wildcat reps in this one. Um, but Colorado, you know, Fau, he's had a rough kind of stretch of game since he came back from his injury. The first game back, he looked okay. Um, the next two, he kind of struggled a little bit. This one, he was a little bit better. But against this Arizona defense, he should have probably been putting up bigger numbers than this. Um, he was 19 of 27 with 213 yards and three touchdowns. Um, you know, Colorado, I, I thought, really won this game. I mean, they won this game regardless if they showed up. Um, but I thought they the, the big thing for Colorado in this game was their defense, um, shutting down Arizona, keeping them from... Uh, scoring a whole lot through the first three quarters, um, their offense did enough, but um i i don 't think it was uh necessarily a grand showing for colorado 's offense
1: yeah, it was kind of a weird a weird game uh, just even look at the score Colorado ended up covering, and we both uh got this one right, and I was trying to watch this I think on one of the on my ipad as well i didn 't get to see a ton of it, but i I wanted to see some life um from Arizona, and there was some you know i don 't think it was. But right now, this is a really good Colorado team. I think playing on the road wasn't the prettiest all the time, but I think they're, they're making a statement that this is, this is a team to be reckoned with. And for to get this many Pac-12 wins after, you know, struggling to just get one a year, um, the last few years. I mean, it's pretty amazing what Colorado has been able to do. I don't know what you could do in Arizona right now. It's, it's going to be rough. Uh, they go on the road to take on Oregon State. Uh, this weekend, and then, uh, you know, they got Arizona State on the road. Uh, so they're, they're traveling the next two weekends. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it could be an offer for, for, uh, Arizona, but there, there's some signs of life, but I'm, I just don't know if it's going to be enough, Dave.
0: All right. So I've got a pretty fun stat, I think. Okay. Um, so through, uh, this number of games two years ago, uh, Arizona was eight and two. Um, five and two in conference. And Colorado was two and eight. Oh, and seven in conference. Wow. So they've literally reversed since then. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. So Arizona is two and eight. Colorado's eight and two.
1: That's a Pac 12. I mean, that, how crazy is that? Like, I, I mean, that's hard to do.
0: That is, that is two <laughs> programs going in vastly, vastly different directions. But if we've learned nothing, it's that programs can boomerang around pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, but we are a uh, Colorado Buffalo podcast. And so we say Buff Stampede.
1: Buff Stampede. Do you want to, I could give you a little Colorado Buffalo.
0: A little stampede. Long time Colorado fan over here. <laughs> Off-
1: it Off- is Off- such an amazing place to, uh, to watch a game in Boulder. Yeah. And now that they're good, I think it's good for the Pac-12 for Colorado to be good cuz there's history there. It's like when, you know, Washington has his, you don't want those teams with history to be bad. And Colorado's just been bad for a while, so it's nice to uh see them kind of bounce back.
0: Uh, not well, kind of. Actually, uh sorry, it's actually perfect. 2 years ago, they were playing each other too. And Arizona won that game
1: 38-20. Oh, wow.
0: And that's the team that gave uh Colorado their eighth loss and team gave Arizona their eighth win. So anyway, sorry. No,
1: no, that's good. Uh okay, so that was we have one last one to go over. It's Cal and uh Washington State. Cal going to try to be eleven oh this year is that was, no wait no, that was that was a different time.
0: That's not gonna happen. Okay. They're not gonna be uh six and six. It's, it's not gonna happen. well um Washington State blew them out. Um I had this game very wrong. Uh I thought it was going to be a close ish game and it was not close ish. It was not close ish at all. Uh, it was 28-7 at the half. Uh, Cal, um, put up some yards. They, they, they certainly put up some yards. Um, didn't do a whole lot of that scoring thing. Whereas Washington State put up more yards and did a whole lot of that scoring thing. Uh, Washington State won That's 56. where you get the points, right? That's the... yeah. that's where the points yeah. come from. Okay. Uh, points, little Bobby, <laughs> points come from scoring. <laughs> yeah. um, so Washington State, uh, beat Cal 56-21 um yeah it was a bloodbath uh washington state got back to running the ball um which they stopped doing for a couple of weeks but they ran 31 times for 254 yards uh which is just smart coaching because cal's rush defense and i don't want to keep saying this might might be among the worst in the pac-12 um there's a lot of really bad defenses in the pac-12 everyone just let you know um Passing the ball, Washington State was fine. I don't think it was anything close to Luke Falk's best day. And again, they still put up 56 points. Um, but running the ball, they they really kind of... I think that's kind of the death blow when, from Washington State. When they can run the ball like that on you, you're just done. It's just not going to happen for you that day. You might as well pack it in. Uh, Davis Webb was fine. Um, I think he's still nursing like a slight hand injury, but he was fine. Um, just... You know, in, in a game like this against Washington State where Washington State's offense is playing at an elite level, you really need to match them and they just weren't able to. Uh Washington State shut down Cal's running game pretty well. And Cal's running game hadn't been bad this year. Uh it's not great, but it hadn't been bad. Um and Washington State's defense did enough against it. So yeah, it was a blowout. Uh not a whole lot left to take about it take from it.
1: I got this one right, Dave. Uh I was fifteen. I was like, dude, yeah. I'll take 25. five. Yeah, it was, uh, they covered cover city for sure. It was easy for Washington state. They are on a roll. They're just rolling right now. And the way that offense is playing, um, you know, I think the defense has been sneaky good sometimes, uh, not all the time, but sometimes, and then, you know, the receivers, the the fact that you can run the football, um, it's just so different than what we saw in the beginning of the season. And, you know, I guess we're used to this with, uh, Mike Leach teams. Um, but it's, it's, I don't think it's a great thing for the Pac 12, Dave, that the, the team that loses to an FCS school and loses to, you know, Boise is, uh, undefeated <laughs> in the
0: conference. Probably not good. Probably not great.
1: No, uh, yeah. but they are. And so they're making a run. They're, you know, it, it's, if you lose, like, if they just beat, you know, if they, they, instead of losing to an FCS school, you beat that team. You're talking potential playoff team now, you know, like that's how bad this hurts. You know, Washington is, is really the only hope the PAC 12 has to make the playoff. But you could argue Washington state could have been right there because they can finish the season with a couple of really good wins. If your only loss is a, you know, Boise state, you know, in the second game of the season or whatever, I think you could make an argument to get into the playoff. And now well, you're
0: I'm going to make the counter argument, um, even with all that, um, N- name, n- what's your favorite ranked win for Washington State this year? <laughs> okay. Because there's one, and it's at Stanford, when Stanford was pretty bad in the fifth game of the year. True. Their, their last five games, they beat UCLA by six at home. They beat ASU by five on the road. They beat Oregon State by four on the road. They beat the worst team in the Pac-12 Arizona by 62. But, I mean, you and me and nine friends could beat Arizona by <laughs> 62 at this point and they beat cal. Um but they've feasted on some pretty pretty bad teams. I think Washington State's pretty good. Don't make this into a thing where I'm hating on Washington State. I just don't think even if they hadn't lost to e- Eastern Washington, um I don't know if they have the resume. I mean, I think Washington's going to struggle to have the resume even with one loss. Um and I I I certainly don't think Washington State has it.
1: Well, here so the the fact that they would have the one loss um and they would be up there Uh, in the rankings, not, not like in top four, but they would be within striking distance. And then you're going to go on the road. You beat Colorado on the road. That'll be impressive. Mm -hmm. If you beat Washington at home, that would be impressive. And then you get to play somebody like Utah or whatever in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, and you know, that would be a good win too. So I think they could, with all those
0: wins, you know, forget the Eastern.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it would, it would, they would at least have a shot, you know.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I could see it. Um, I think uh, you know, there's all kinds of you know butterfly effect there. Where if they beat Colorado, that's suddenly a three loss Colorado team um, that then has to play Utah um, with basically nothing to play for at that point. So are, is that suddenly an eight and four Colorado team? I know we're a Buff Stampede podcast, but we've got to entertain the possibility. <laughs> um, but you know, so uh, yeah, you might have a you might have a point there. Um, they certainly would have better serve the Pac-12 by beating Eastern Washington. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, Alright. So that is our uh, kind of recap of what happened in week 11. I guess we should uh, jump in and start talking about week 12, Dave, in our
0: Pac-12 Roundup.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're ready. Um, do we want to talk about the uh, scenarios first or anything or do we want to just kind of talk why, about the why, we... are,
0: why are people confused about this? There is are it, people confused. That, I get tweets is it, all the time. Isn't that confusing? So for USC to win the Pac-12 South, they need to beat UCLA, and both Utah and Colorado need to lose games. That's it. Yeah. Okay? For Colorado to win the Pac-12 South, they need to win out. Right? Right. Yeah. And they, um, there
1: could be a scenario, I think, if they lose a game and everyone else lose. You know, there's stuff like that, too.
0: But. Well, if Colorado, if Colorado loses to Washington State then even if they – well, yeah, okay, fine. I guess there are scenarios because if USC somehow loses to UCLA, that could throw everything for a loop. But
1: but the basic thing is Colorado controls its own destiny. Utah controls its own destiny. Right. And if there's some kind of three-way tie, it would go to Utah because the only way that could happen is if Utah beats Colorado. There could be a three-way tie, but Utah would then have wins over USC and Colorado, so they would get the tiebreaker.
0: Right. So, uh, I don't know, people.
1: It's not, yeah, it's not too.
0: It's it shouldn't be too bad. It's you know we'll yeah. see what happens. We'll know a lot well, more. It'll, it'll simplify considerably based on the USC UCLA result.
1: Yeah, and then and actually before that game, Utah and Colorado, Colorado both and play. Both. Yeah. yeah. So by the end, by the time USC and UCLA play at night, which kind of sucks, by the way, but um, I'm gonna be at the Rose Bowl till like two in the morning. Uh By they, the time they play, if both Colorado and Utah win, USC will know they can't make the championship game. If they both lose, USC would know, okay, if we beat UCLA, we'll make the championship team. And if it's split, then they won't know. <laughs> right. So it's kind of weird. We actually talked to Clay Helton about that Um the players have all said, Dave, I don't know if the players have all said like they don't they're not really going to be watching. But Clay Helton said he's going to keep one eye on it as they're preparing. So he was honest. He's like, to be honest, yeah, I'll be paying attention.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, because his players, I mean, honestly, that's a smart move for a coach because his players are going to pay attention, even though they, you know, say they're not going to. Um So you want to keep an eye on it for the psyche of the team. Right. Anyway. And then Washington, Washington State. I mean, the Apple Cup
1: is going to be all important uh, up there. Um. So yeah. So it's, uh, I, you know, last couple of weeks, there's a lot that can happen in the North and the South. So not as much in the North, but, um,
0: yeah, I guess I was simplifying it cause I wasn't even entertaining the possibility that UCLA would beat USC. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean like move. if
1: Oregon gets upset, like there's, there's upsets that can happen that would really throw a wrench in the thing,
0: but sure. Um,
1: yeah, that got,
0: can It's football.
1: Yeah. But that, I, I love that Colorado and Utah get to play in the, uh, the last game and how much could be on the line for that one. So it's cool.
0: I have a feeling I know what game is going to lead off this talk.
1: Yeah. So last week we had uh, one versus two, which is pretty cool. Uh, this week, almost as good. We have number 11. Oregon State Beavers. And number 12. Arizona Wildcats. <laughs>
0: So this game will be on opposite uh, UCLA-USC um, on... It doesn't even claim that it's on TV. I have to assume it's the Pac-12 network. Uh, Whatever. Uh, Arizona going at Oregon State at 7.30 p.m. in Corvallis. Arizona's 2-8. and eight. Oregon It is, it is two Pac-12 and eight.
1: network. Yeah, it is.
0: I don't know. ESPN's thing doesn't have it. But yes, Pac-12 network. Um, Arizona is uh, a 6.5-point dog to oregon state it actually opened as oregon state minus nine um moved a little bit arizona's way um oregon state's a much better team um they've been significantly better um especially over the last few weeks when arizona's kind of collapsed um oregon state has been competitive in games um i i i think oregon state covers this one Um, I, I, you know, I, I, it would have been a shocking thing to say at the beginning of the year that not only Oregon state would beat a team, but that we would predict them to cover. Uh, but I, I think there's a, there's a decent chance here. Um, Arizona, I I think Oregon state can, well, I I think Oregon state's going to struggle a little bit against Arizona's rushing attack. Um, but I think Arizona's defense is bad enough that Oregon state's offense could have a pretty nice day. We'll see if Ryan Nall is fully healthy for this one. Um, if so, he could run straight through that entire Arizona defense. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I like Oregon State to cover. I think it's something like, uh, give me like 34-24. All right. Uh, Reinold didn't play against UCLA, right? No, he was out. He was in a boot that week during practice. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, that could have made a big difference too, but, uh, yeah, you're all right. I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to come back. I haven't read the reports on that. Um, but Dave, I'm going to agree with you. I want to, you know, I talk about Oregon State a lot, being a better team, especially at home. I'm not picking against them against the spread at home. I'd like to see what their numbers are at home against the spread, but I'm, I'm definitely taking Oregon State here, laying the six and a half. Uh, The Beavers actually won 12 of 15 in this series, so that's kind of cool. And here's the thing: Arizona this year is one in nine against the spread, so they've not been good, and they've been underachieving. Um, I just like Oregon State at home a lot better. It's, it's 11 and 12, but it feels like the gap is bigger than that. Do you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I, Arizona has the look and feel of a team that's starting to quit a little bit. Oregon State does not at all. They look like a team that's very much in there and trying hard and playing hard. So, um, eye test wise, I think Oregon State, um, just looks like a team that feels like it has more to play for than Arizona does.
1: So, uh, yeah, that's our 11 and 12 uh, matchup. Um, I guess we'll move on. so next up, we're going to jump all the way uh, to number six. Stanford Cardinal. And number seven. California Golden Bears.
0: (laughs) Now, I think we were told last year this is big game, not the big game. Big game, yes. I think I pointed that out last year, yes. Oh, whatever. Um, (laughs) I'm just trying to tell you. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Stanford is our number six team. Um, and I think they've kind of solidified that number six spot. And I think they, you know, depending on how the rest of the season goes, I think they have a chance to move into that, you know, coveted top five, um, in the podcast champion power rankings. Um, Stanford looked really good last week against Oregon. Um, it wasn't, you know, obviously the caveat, it was against Oregon, but, um, Stanford looked pretty good. This game was on at 2.30 PM on the Pac-12 network of, God, just a marquee time and slot for uh for, for big game. Um Stanford uh seven and three, taking on Cal four and six. Stanford is favored by eleven points. Um I see him doing to Cal pretty much exactly what they did to Oregon last week. Uh I think they're going to blow him out. I think Stanford I don't know that uh odds makers have necessarily caught up with Stanford kind of riding the ship a little bit. Um and I don't think they've necessarily caught up with the fact that Cal's offense has gone a little bit tanky, um, and against good defenses, Cal's offense has struggled this year. So, um, I like Stanford to cover this one by quite a bit. I think they'll have another really good rushing performance I think Killer Chris to once again get things going against Cal, um, and they will uh, knock Cal from bowl eligibility and move to 8-3, 6-3 and, three, six and three in the Pac-12. Ooh,
1: yeah, so this would, uh, Cal's got that magical six losses right now, so they need this one bad. It's at home. It's big game, man. You know, there's so many good big games. Stanford Cal. You know what I love? I love articles. I really like articles. <laughs> I like the it's a big game. Well, you're a SoCal guy if you take, you take the 405. There's an article yeah. there, you know. Well, other- it
0: deserves its own article because it's such a, a, a physical entity in your life. Yes. Like, it's so commanding. You know, <laughs> it, it does so much to you. It causes so much rage that you have to give it that <laughs> definitive article.
1: But I, I agree with you on this one, Dave. Um, 11 points is significant. And Cal's yep. at home, and you could see Davis Webb kind of going off again, and you could see this Cal offense, the bear raid, getting back to, you know, the, the higher point totals that they were getting earlier in the season. But, you know, uh, last week they scored 21, uh, against Washington, you know, so they scored 21 against Washington State. They scored 27, uh, against Washington. They scored 24 against USC. And then against Oregon, you know, they scored 52. So the, the better defenses they've played, they, you know, the last few weeks, they haven't scored as many points. Um, I kind of get the feeling it's going to be along the same lines that maybe they get to, maybe they get to like 28 or or 31 or something like that. But I think Stanford's going to score more. And I, I don't even think I would have said this last week, but just what I saw from the Cardinal last week, it gave me confidence that they could score more than one touchdown in a game. Um, and I think they'll score a bunch. So yeah, I think they, I think they cover this one. I don't feel great about this one. I could completely see Cal covering, uh, maybe not winning, but I could see them covering. So I don't feel awesome about it, but I think more often than not, Stanford would cover this spread.
0: Yeah, I feel awesome about it. Um, I think, uh, I think it's going to be like 4921.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, that that makes me uh, feel better about my pick.
0: Yeah. There you go.
1: Uh, You know, hey, that's, we just want to feel good about this stuff you now, Dave it's, uh, <laughs> okay. it's crazy cray cray okay so let's move up that was so we had 11 and 12 which is cool because they're right next to each other 6 and 7 uh, they're right next to each other but I do feel there's a, a significant gap between both 11 and 12 and 6 and 7 even though we have them ranked right next to each other right uh, pretty big gap here between our number 5 team Utah Utes
0: and our number 10 team Oregon Ducks all right, so this game is on at 11 a.m. Again, Oof. I think on the Pac-12 Network. I don't have... Uh, it is. Let me look real quick. Right now.
1: Yeah, Pac-12 Network.
0: Gotta be. Gotta be Pac-12 Network. Uh, Oregon is 3-7 and seven going on the road in Salt Lake City against number 12 Utah, which is 8-2. and two. Utah is favored by 14.5, and I want to take you all the way back to last year because um, that was uh, the game that kind of uh, set the tone for Oregon's um, remainder of 2015 and then into 2016, uh, that was the game where Utah went on the road and beat Oregon 62 to 20 uh, last year, back when Oregon was still an elite team. Um, so, you know, o- Oregon can maybe thank Utah for, uh, for you know, basically destroying Kelfrick's uh, <laughs> time there. Um, Utah's favorite by 14.5. I don't. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not even going to talk myself into the back end of this. Uh, I think Utah covers. I think they're going to blow out Oregon. Um, Oregon is, again, they looked last week like a team that's maybe just kind of ready for the season to be over. Utah, on the other hand, has everything to play for. Uh, they very much control their own destiny. Um, if they win out, they win the Pac-12 South. Um, and I think that's a stunning thing to say about Utah, given all the injuries they've had this year, but they just keep winning games. Um, they just keep doing exactly what they need to do to win games it's a weird time slot 11 a.m um but i don't know that that necessarily plays into either team's favor um maybe utah's just because they're at home so they get to sleep in their own beds but um yeah i think joe williams could have you know 250 yards on the ground in this one i think troy williams could shred oregon's you know pretty not great secondary um and utah could you know do some things against that Oregon offense to keep it from being an elite unit. So yeah, I think it'll be kind of similar to Stanford's performance against Oregon. I think Utah's going to beat them by, you know, probably well over twenty points.
1: I'm uh, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, again, we're on the same page here. I've I've kind of learned this, especially late in the season, when there's a double-digit favorite in the PAC 12, they're usually going to win by more than that. Like I'm not, at some point I was like, that's a lot of points. I think I'll take the points. Like I'm not doing that anymore. It's like, there's a reason that Utah's favored by 14 and a half. It could probably be more. Um, so yeah, I, I just don't see, I, I think Troy Williams impressed me enough, uh, the way he was throwing the football last week that I thought that could be, eh, you know, how good is he going to be? He was pretty good. And I, you know, and Joe Williams, you know, the AARP guy coming out of retirement, uh, He's going to have a ridiculous day, I think, in this one. So, uh, 14 and a half, I think I'll, I'll take that as well. Uh, Utah is actually four and nine at home against Oregon. So I think they kind of get off that bad train. Like you said, they had a pretty big win last year. Um, Oregon has scored 20 points in a, uh, in the, in the last 40 games, at least 20 points. So that's the current NCAA record. And, uh, there, but they're 1-8-1 against the spread this year. So again, like Arizona, they've not been covering a lot. I'm not going to pick them to cover in this spot. No, definitely not. Um, okay. So that's, uh, that's Utah and Oregon. So a little bit of a, a difference there as far as point spread, uh, goes. Let's move up to our number, uh, three team. Colorado Buffalo. and another good matchup with our number 4 team,
0: Washington State Cougars. This is a tremendously significant game which is ludicrous. Uh on at 12:30 p.m. <laughs> on Fox uh number 22 in uh the CFP ranking, Washington State 8 and 2, 7 and 0 in conference, going on the road number 10, Colorado. Yeah. Let that sink in for a second. Top 10 Colorado. Top 10. Um, <laughs> In Boulder, Colorado is favored by four. Uh, this is probably, for me, the most difficult game to pick of the day. Um, Washington State's playing at a pretty high level, though they have played kind of close-ish games against not very good teams on the road. Um, and Colorado is uh, not necessarily peaking at this very moment. They're still winning games, but I think Seppo Lufau, um still needs to find what he lost right before he went down for an injury. Um, he he still doesn't quite look like the guy who started the year just on fire. Um, I think, I think I like Colorado to cover here. Um, just because Washington state hasn't been a great road team this year. Um, they do have that one big Stanford win on the road, but they did, uh, struggle on the road against Oregon state and on the road against ASU, both significantly worse teams than Colorado. Um, And they struggled at home against UCLA, which is not a good team this year. Um, So I think I like Colorado to cover. I think they should be able to do enough defensively against Washington State to slow down that offense. Colorado sneakily has one of the best defenses in the Pac-12 this year. And offensively, I think they're built well enough to take advantage of Washington State. I don't think it's going to be a super high-scoring game. Uh, I know that seems kind of antithetical to what Washington State likes to do. Um but I, I I could see this being kind of a you know a thirty one twenty-four type game for Colorado. Uh, I wouldn't be stunned if it's something like that.
1: I'm gonna uh disagree with you on this one. Uh I'm, I'm going gonna, back and forth. I... But we need a we need a pick different anyway. Um I to me if I if I if you asked me like what would you think the spread would be, I would have said probably a pick'em. Just because of the explosive Washington state offense. It is on the road. Um so the fact that I would be getting four points and I think it would be like a pick'em. Uh I'll take Washington State and getting uh getting four points. I mean the offense is just, you know, going gangbusters right now. It's gonna be a tougher test against a better defense. Um but I kinda I get the feeling that this is just this historic run for Washington State is gonna keep is gonna keep going. So I'm gonna take uh Are you taking them out right? No, no. I'm just gonna No, I'm not gonna take them out right. I mean I could see them winning, but I just uh you know. I'll uh, I'll take the four points. Gabe Marks 295 catches, Dave. That's the uh Pac-12 record. So he yeah. pe- and, you know, who he beat Nelson nope. Spruce from Colorado <laughs> 294. Now maybe he's that that's blood. motivation. There's bad blood here, yeah. <laughs> that could that could be motivation? I
0: there, yeah. I
1: bet there is. uh so oh, I might have
0: to rethink that. Yeah, um there you go. <laughs> and River Craycraft is out for Washington State, done for the year.
1: That is true. That's, uh, losing one of the bigger weapons, um, out there. But now, you know.
0: Washington State's offense is such that you could play receiver for them and probably catch the ball 15 (laughs) times this
1: year. Yeah. It's, you know, hey, what are you going to do? Um, okay. So, yeah, might as well be different. I'm going to give you a chance to catch up, Dave.
0: uh, Oh, thank you so much.
1: All right. So that's going to be a great one. Definitely want to watch that. All six. So all six games are packed in on Saturday. So it's going you know, to get out all your devices and start watching as many as you can because <laughs> it's going to be uh, crazy. I, I'll be able to watch a bunch because uh, USC, UCLA is so late, but you know, we'll do yeah. we can't here. Okay. So we got two more to cover. We have uh, our number now, number two team. They dropped a the spot after losing Washington Huskies. <laughs> Taking on the number nine team. Arizona State Sun Devils.
0: <laughs> so this one's coming on directly after Washington State, Colorado on Fox at 4.30 p.m. in Seattle. Arizona State, 5-5, five and 2-5 five, in conference going on the road to Washington. Um, Washington is going to be licking its wounds a little bit. Um, Arizona State sneaky bad, and uh, the odds makers agree. Washington is favored by 27 points in this one, so... Oddsmakers figuring that Washington's offense is going to get back to work in this one. Um, something to keep in mind is that Washington is now down JoJo Mathis and Azim Victor. Um, they're two, arguably their two best defensive players, um, are both now out. Um, will that matter too much against ASU? I kind of doubt it. I don't know that ASU is equipped to take an advantage of too much at this point. Um, I, you know, offensively they've been competent enough, so maybe they score a little bit more than they would otherwise against Washington. But I think Washington's offense is built very much to just own this game. Um I could see a Washington getting back into the very big point totals in this one. Twenty seven points is a lot, especially um for a Washington that might be licking its wounds a little bit after uh after losing to USC last week, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna lay the points, take 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 the Huskies.
1: Wow, okay. Um you know I said earlier, like this is one of those things when you're predicted to 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 win by double digits, you're gonna win by more. Well mm-hmm. those are like fourteen point spreads yeah. and eleven point spreads. Like, <laughs> this is a twenty-seven point spread. Yeah. Um we saw Arizona State play Washington State close at home. It's just so many points, Dave. That's four touchdowns. <laughs> like, yeah, it. And and the last time I picked Washington as a huge favorite was against Oregon State. And They got out to the big lead and then they just didn't keep up, you know, step on the gas or they, they didn't, you know, stomp. I could see like Washington dominating the game, but then allowing Arizona State to get in late. So because of the backdoor cover capabilities, I'm going to take Arizona State in this one, Dave. Okay. I,
0: I fully support you picking differently from me. So I have a chance to catch up. Um,
1: that's a lot of points.
0: It's a lot of points. Um I think though that Washington's um passing attack is built to kill Arizona State. Uh John Ross is going to get behind this defense all day. All day.
1: All day. All right. Uh I, th- I think you're probably right. Um uh, and I think they'll be it'll be nice to, like, oh, we're not playing like a a good defense this week. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> I mean it just they just had a lot of troubles. Uh last week there I don't I mean do you think Washington can bounce back though like do you, do you feel like they can finish the season really strong after that hiccup
0: a few weeks ago I predicted that they would lose to Washington State um I'm not I'm not willing to walk that one back yet especially now that Washington's down a couple of their best defensive players um I think I probably I mean, I, I don't want to give a preview of next week's podcast of champions, but I think I'd probably still predict them to lose to Washington State. Obviously, we'll see what the results are this week and who ends up a little bit more banged up. But um, I, I think they finish the regular season 10 and 2. I don't think they win the North. Um, and I think they go to a really nice bowl game and, uh, you know, probably beat a team there and finish the year 11 and 2. And I think that's great. And I think that sets them up for a potential national title run in 2017. All right, we'll see. I
1: kind of just get the feeling they're gonna win out, but you know, we'll see. Who knows? Um sure. happen. All right, let's go. Our last game. We have Okay, so this team, if you guys remember, we had number twelve. Uh I think like week six four. Six weeks ago, like five weeks ago or six weeks ago. <laughs> So the number one
0: USC Trojans.
1: On the road in the Rose Bowl against number eight. UCLA
0: Bruins. <laughs> We really only bumped up UCLA to make this look more respectable. I'm, I'm, that's really the only reason that happened. So this is on at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. Number 13 in the CFP rankings, USC 7-3, um, and 6-2 and two in conference going on the road to UCLA. USC's favorite by 13. Just to address the fact that we have them number one, even though they have like a really good shot of not even winning their division if they went out, they're just playing better than everybody else right now. They just beat the number one team, and they look like the best team in the Pac-12. Eye test-wise, that's just how it looks. And it's, you know, for UCLA fans, it's probably unfortunate that it feels that way. Uh, but that's just the way it looks right now. Um, and so now they play UCLA, and this is a really, really interesting game for me because UCLA hasn't been blown out this year. Um, they lost a game by nine and another... What did they lose by? Let's Let's look at this real quick. So UCLA lost by nine to Stanford and they lost by 10 to Colorado on the road. Um, but other than that, their losses are by seven points, six points, three points, and seven points. Um, so they haven't really, you know, gotten crushed this year. And a large part of that is because their defense is very, very good. Um, you know, for much of this year, it's been very, very good. They've had a couple of blips, but, um, they've played against some pretty good offenses and shut them down. Um, this is going to be the toughest test for UCLA's defense, finding some way to put pressure on Darnold while also shutting down USC's running game. Um, and I don't know if they're up to it. I think the Karis McKinley is probably the best pass rusher USC's, uh, defensive line will have faced outside of Jonathan Allen for Alabama. Um, but he's one guy and, uh, you know, they can slide, they can, you know, get guys in front of him uh, and try to just Harry him. Um, I think UCLA is going to be able to slow down USC's offense to an extent, um, maybe to the same extent that Washington was able to last week, um, where, you know, USC scored well below what it had been scoring. Um, You know, I could easily see UCLA keeping uh, USC in the mid-20s here. I just have a real tough time seeing UCLA scoring a whole bunch. Uh, USC's defense is playing at a very, very high level. Um, I think UCLA is going to have to go to the, you know, rivalry game bag of tricks here. Um, I think there's going to have to be some weird misdirection on offense. I think they're going to have to do some, some things maybe outside of their wheelhouse a little bit, um, to generate points because I think USC's defense is first the most athletic UCLA has played, but also it's playing about as well as any defense in the Pac-12 right now. So I predicted that it would be 24-17 USC. I could see. I could easily see USC covering, but I'm going to stick with that. I think UCLA keeps it from being a, a two touchdown game and it ends something like a seven to 10 point loss.
1: Wow. You were keeping in suspense there, Dave. I wasn't sure which way you were going with it. I'm like, is he good? Usually I can tell like, oh, he's picking yeah. this
0: side. Well, cause the numbers, the, like if I was just going based off of pure an- analysis, like based on the numbers, I'd predict USC to win this by three touchdowns. Um, but the only thing I'm going off of is, The defense is pretty damn good for UCLA, and they haven't been blown out this year. Are those scientific? Probably. No. But uh, this isn't scientific.
1: But I think there's significance to the not being blown out, and that's the only reason I was kind of wavering on this. Um, I've just been kind of riding this. Hey, USC's playing well; they're beating people. I'm going to take them to cover. They've been covering the last few weeks. I think I'm going to. I'm going to keep going with it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, but you're, but the reason you wouldn't is because even though UCLA's not been winning games as many as you should, they're keeping them close. And I think there's something to be said for that. Um, that they're not getting blown out in games. And, um, if it was, I mean, if it was even one more point, if it was 14, I probably would go the other way, but it's like, I could see the two touchdown thing fairly easily. Um, it could be more than that, but uh, you know, certainly I could see less than that too but I just think more often than not they will. So I'll take uh USC lay in the 13. Um it's going to be weird. It's you know night game. I'm not really a fan of this game being played at night. It's you know better better in the day, but um you know how full is the Rose Bowl
0: going to be? I don't know. I
1: I just don't know. It's going to be weird.
0: It's not going to be full. It's yeah, this is just, it's not, it's not fun. Uh, this game should always be like a, honestly, this game should always be like a 1230 kick. Yeah. It should always be early in the day, um, so that you can just, you know, see the, the, the red and the blue against each other in the sun. It's lots of fun. That rhymed. <laughs> Good fun. Um, yeah, I, I just, uh, it's a, here's what I would say. It's a very, very hard sell for you to tell me that UCL is going to win this game. I think there's a path to that victory uh to steal some political terminology, Um, but it would be, it's not quite 13 to nine. Like it's not quite 2006 level. I don't think these two teams are that different talent wise, you know, cause that was a big disparity talent talent wise. I think these teams are, you know, very well, USC is a much more talented team than pretty much anybody in the Pac-12, but UCLA probably has the second best talent overall. Um, UCLA just crippled its off- offense in the offseason. And so they don't have the offense to score against this USC defense, but I think they've got the defense to play with them. So, yeah. um, it wouldn't be the upset of the century if UCLA won. I just, I have a hard time seeing it.
1: Yeah, I can see, I think if UCLA is able to get the running game going like they did last week against Oregon State, I, don't, I just don't understand why it's not been as good. I know the interior of the I, offensive I, I, line. I can,
0: I, yeah, I can, I can tell you. <laughs> um, it's because they went to a, a very bad scheme for their personnel. And they have a very bad offensive line. And tackles uh, are
1: good though. Tackles are good.
0: Right? They're all right. Okay. They're okay. Okay. Uh, not not great not great run blockers at all. Oh okay. Um, but they're okay. Uh and Colton Miller, their starting right tackle has been out for five weeks now. Yeah, uh, that's true. okay. Yeah, they're they're fine. They're fine. Uh but the interior offensive line is very, very bad. And their offense is literally designed to run between the tackles and between the tackles. They don't have guys who can even block one on one. All
1: right. Well, okay. So people wanted to give us, uh, have us give a recap. Man, we're already over an hour, which is crazy. Um, we got to answer some questions real quick. I'll give the quick recap of our picks, Oregon state minus six and a half, uh, at home against Arizona. We both took Oregon state Stanford at Cal Cal getting 11. We both took Stanford. Utah hosting Oregon. Oregon, uh, getting 14 and a half. We both took Utah. Then the next three we were different on. Um, Washington State favored by four. I mean, no, uh, Colorado favored by four, right? Uh, yeah, Colorado by four. Yeah, uh, against Washington State. Uh, I took Washington State. Dave took Colorado. Uh, Arizona State given 27 point or getting 27 points. I took ASU. Dave took Washington and USC and UCLA. UCLA getting 13 points. Dave being a homer took UCLA, me being a homer took USC. That's not why we picked those, but that's I guess that's <laughs> no, to look.
0: No, if you listen to this, we we pretty much hate the team we covered. <laughs> that's life itself. Um All right, should we get into these questions?
1: Yeah, we I know I'm sure you got kid stuff going on, so let's uh <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I've got my daughter singing some songs in the background. Nice, I hope you're cool. enjoying it. Um All right, so I'm gonna skip the rundown, Nick. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna answer your questions. All right? Fair enough. There. Okay. Does Mark Helfrich keep his job? I say no. I say no too. Okay. Who wins the toilet Pac-12 bowl between OSU versus Arizona LOL? We picked, uh, did we both pick OSU to win? And to cover? Yes, we did. Uh, so. how about more USC versus Wazoo in the Pac-12 title game? Who wins and why? Hmm. That'd, um,
1: that'd be very interesting. Um, obviously, USC needs to have a few things fall their way, but I, I would pick USC over just about anybody in the Pac-12 right now. So, even though Washington State's on, you know, on fire, USC's on even more fire.
0: (laughs) I would, I would pick USC to win, but I would say that Wazoo presents probably the most unique challenge for Clancy Pendergast and that defense. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, I I think their defense is obviously playing at a very, very high level right now, but I think that could be a really fun game, Um, and I'd I'd enjoy watching that. Honestly, any of these potential matchups in the Pac-12 championship game, aside from maybe a rematch between Colorado and Wazoo, I'd be really excited to watch. Yeah. There seem like a lot of fun potential games. Um, And then last statement is, USC beats up on UCLA by 14 in the Rose Bowl. I'm calling it, and you can mark it down. Interestingly enough for Nick here, uh he should maybe move to vegas because he had the line more or less right and this was he asked this question long before the line came out so
1: he did he cool called thing. the yeah. the washington one too but you know whatever but that nick's been uh nick's been pretty good
0: yeah um all right yeah uh, you want me to ask this next one from john oh sure all right this is from john gentlemen would you mind also picking utah usc and colorado straight up this week not just against the spread here's why. If Colorado and Utah both lose this week and USC wins, that would put USC on top at 7-2 and two and Utah third at 5-3. and three. With the tiebreaker over... I think he's just going through the tiebreaker situation. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, you picked... Uh,
0: you I picked- think we picked Utah straight up, USC straight up, and Colorado straight up. Wait, you, 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 you kind I'd of t- fudged on U.S., on Colorado Wazoo, right?
1: Yeah. You know, I kind of think, I'll take Wazoo straight up for for this one, for this, for the point of this question. I'll say Washington State wins this one.
0: Okay. So if Washington State wins that one, then it's Colorado U- and Utah wins against Oregon. Then USC, if they beat UCLAs, has to hope for Colorado to beat Utah. Right. Yes. Okay. So that's basically the, he has, you know, discussed the implications of the race race. If all of them win on, uh, on Saturday, then USC's out. Okay.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. And then, All right. yeah, if they both win, and then if they both lose, then USC would control its destiny. All
0: right, and then he asks, and this is maybe an idea for next week after, the, or, yeah, maybe next week before the games, would you mind including an in-depth bowl projection in one of these next two episodes? Uh, the national sports sites don't even seem to know the rules for the Pac-12 bowl selections, let alone the history of which teams went to which bowls recently and left positive or negative impressions. Hearing the projections of the slate in the year would be great. Um, so uh, let's let's do this speed round. Do you think um, a Pac-12 team makes the uh, playoffs this year?
1: I, I think so. I think Washington's going to make it. That's my guess.
0: Do you think Washington wins out and then wins uh either a rematch against USC or beats one of Colorado or Utah?
1: Yeah, I kind of think so.
0: Okay, I'm so, uh, less bullish because of their defensive issues, but okay. Let's say Washington or just you know, Washington or maybe Colorado sneaks in, right? So one of those two teams makes the, uh, eh, Colorado's not making it. So Washington wins out and then they go to the CFP. So it would be probably the South champion, I would imagine, who would go to the Rose Bowl. Though at that point, there would be a conversation. Um, it could be Washington State if they win out but lose the Apple Cup. Uh, it could be Colorado if they win the South or it could yeah. be Utah if they win the South or USC if they win the South. I think, Whoever the South champion is probably has a good case for the Rose Bowl.
1: Well, the the, the Rose Bowl is supposed to take the highest ranked team. So, say Washington <laughs> wins out and goes to the playoff, yeah. the highest ranked in the college football playoff. It could be a problem if you win. Say, like Colorado wins the South, then they have, they lose to Washington, then they have an extra loss. Would USC be above them in the final college you know playoff ranking? Something like that, like right. or Washington State or whatever you know. So. Um. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But there, those are the different scenarios. I, I well, personally, in that
0: case, Washington State is probably out for the yeah, bowl. Yeah, because because they would have to lose unless they win out. If they win out, then they'll get it because they'll win the Pac-12 championship. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm not a big bowl projection guy. There are so many. It's like the butterfly effect. There's so many. Yeah,
0: just too many derivations of what it could be. Um, yeah. I think it's probably only two um of the six big bowls that Pac-12 is going to make. Um, I think they do make two, though, for sure, because even if Washington doesn't make it, there'll be at least two top 12-ish Pac-12 teams. So they'll get the Rose Bowl and then, like, whatever the other, it's either Cotton or Fiesta this year that's not a playoff bowl. They'll get one of those as well. Yeah. Do you want me to All read? Right. you want me to read the next one? Or is there more? Yeah, no, yeah. Please, please read the next one.
1: So this is Uchenna. Um, I hope that's how you pronounce it, but there's a Uchenna and Wusu on the USC football team, so. Uh, he said, Ryan and Dave, Husky fan here, longtime listener, semi, semi regular tweeter to you guys, but first time emailer. Thank you for emailing us. Uh, I promise I won't, this won't be long-winded. I was at the game Saturday night. UW played poorly. Some of it was on the Huskies, but a lot of credit goes to USC. They whooped us soundly in every phase of the game, especially in the trenches. It's a bitter pill to swallow, but USC was a better team that night, despite the disappointing loss. There are a couple things I learned from the game. I want your opinions on these takes. Uh, Washington's playoff hopes are still intact. I agree with you there. Uh, assuming the committee doesn't penalize us harshly for losing to a good USC team, the Huskies' goals are still there for them. But now there's zero margin for error, especially with key losses in our defensive front seven. That's
0: all fair. Yeah, yeah
1: for sure. Uh The USC game was a learning lesson. USC featured the type of speed and athleticism that Washington would face in the college football playoff, while USC is certainly talented themselves. I'm sorry? Well, UW. Oh, sorry. UW. Yes. Sorry about that. Well, UW is certainly talented themselves. There are still areas for improvement in terms of recruiting, uh, their requisite, t- uh, talent needed to bring a national title back to the conference. While it's been a spectacular year for Washington football, I think we saw the youth, uh, along the offensive line exposed when they faced the USC defense, uh, Uf- USC defense littered with dudes. Uh, this lends credence to the notion that as far as, so, uh, sorry. For as good as Washington has been this year, they're probably a year ahead of schedule. Dave said that earlier. Thoughts? You guys do a great job with the podcast. I'm a huge fan. Keep up the good work, fellas. Sincerely, Uchenna from Des Moines, Washington.
0: I didn't know there was a Des Moines, Washington.
1: I did not know, yeah.
0: Very cool. Um Yeah, I, I kind of agree with everything you said. I think that game did kind of indicate to me, at least, that UW is maybe still a year away. They need to get a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger and a little bit more physical and a little bit more disciplined because... Frankly, UW's probably not going to match teams athletically. Not the top, 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 top tier of teams. They're just not recruiting necessarily at that level. They do have one of those great equalizers in college football, and that's a fantastic coach in Chris Peterson and a real plan for what they're going to do defensively and offensively in every game. And that that wins you a lot of games. Um, And I think another year of getting bigger and stronger and Jake Browning getting another year under him, Miles um, Gaskin getting another year under him, that offensive line getting another year, that defense, which is still littered with sophomores, getting another year. Um, I think Washington very much is going to be one of the elite teams in the country next year, largely because of their coaching, their discipline, their experience, their strength, their size. All of those things, um, I think, will make UW a much tougher matchup for these kind of athletic, freaky teams next year.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, Chris Peterson likes to recruit his dudes, his kind of guys, and uh, he'll keep doing that. Uh, we, he's proved that, you know, losing superstars on defense isn't a deterrent. He can still have a really successful defense. It's only going to get better. Like Dave said, a lot of young guys on this team. So yeah, it, probably a year ahead of schedule, but people were willing to accept that a talented Chris Peterson coach team should be among the, the nation's elite. And, uh, if they win out, I, that's why I think they will be. So it's still not going to be easy. Um, but you know, certainly they got a shot still.
0: All right. You want me to ask the next one? Sure. Hi, Ryan and Dave. I wanted to ask you, who are your favorite players on each Pac-12 team? How would you rank the Power 5 conferences up to this point? Thank you. All right, so favorite players on each Pac-12 team. Let's start with Arizona.
1: Oh, uh, what do
0: you think? Hunter Solomon? Uh, no, not one of my favorites. I actually like Brandon (laughs) Dawkins. I kind of like watching him when when he's fully healthy. Um, there's not a whole lot else I like about that Arizona team.
1: Khalil, um, Khalil Tate. I don't know if his name quarterbacks, but I like I like <laughs> him in high school.
0: His name, just name and quarterback. Nick Wilson, when he's healthy, he's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. You know, Arizona's a tough one to pick this year. We're just going to give him a, a pass for this year. Uh, ASU, I really like Nikhil Harry. Um, I've always liked DJ Calhoun. I thought UCLA should have recruited him out of high school. Um, those are probably my two favorite guys on ASU.
1: Calhoun's a favorite. I like Manny Wilkins, too. Just um, yeah. go with quarterbacks. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, jo- I do. He's Jojo fun. Wicker. He's just fun to watch, you know. It's kinda...
0: Jojo Wicker's a dude. Um, I think he's going to be a star next year. Um, he's already kind of quietly been very good this year, but I think he's going to be a star next year. Um, UCLA, who you like? I'm a Vanderdoes guy. I like him. Um, and you
1: know, I, Rosen's not playing right now and people like give him a bad rap about attitude or whatever, but I just love that as confident and, uh, as he is, you know, he's just kind of a, He's a dude, so I'll go with those two guys.
0: Uh, Takaris McKinley is my favorite defensive player. Um, he's a, he's a freak. He's gonna be a first round pick just based off of one season of really, really, really good football. Um, and then offensively, I think Jordan Lasley, um, he's just been buried on the bench for what's looking like kind of maybe inexplicable reasons, but he's, uh, really come on in the last few games. So I Jordan like him Lasley. offensively receiver. Interesting. Uh, U- USC, um, <sighs> You know, it's, it's so tinged, um, by kind of the, the love hate thingy, but, um, I like a Dory, uh, I, I, he's, he's a freak. Um, and then offensively, uh, there's so much to like about Sam Darnold from an upside perspective. Um, he's going to be so, so good. Um, and probably the best USC quarterback they've had. And I mean, he's going to be better than Barkley. I think, I don't think Barkley was all that good. Um, and I think he's gonna be better than that.
1: Yeah, I would say the same two guys. Like I you know, I interviewed a Dory yesterday and he's just a dude he'll look you in the eye when you're talking to him. He's just he's just so cool. Like he's like a freaky athlete, but he's just a really good dude, you know, and he's he'll say funny things about, you know, TV shows he likes to watch or whatever. He's fun and, and Sam Darrell the same sort of way. He's just like this surfer dude that happens to be really good at playing quarterback and is just very down to earth. So we we saw him yesterday after practice him walking with, like, Cam Smith around, and my beat writer's like, hey, where's your entourage, you know? like I can't imagine, like, the Alabama quarterback walking around campus and, like, just no one really even talking to him. He's just a very down-to-earth kid, so I like him, too.
0: Yeah, and uh, one thing I would say, um, Juju Smith, too, or Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Um, I always relate this story, but there was a, a, a B2G camp um, where they bring all the, like, national kids, and then there's a bunch of L.A. kids there. And all the LA kids are sitting in the shade by like the second day of the camp. They're not doing anything. They're just kind of lounging around because that's what, that's just kind of the culture of LA football. And you got Juju out there just going hard every single practice, every single rep. Um, that always really impressed with me and impressed me and kind of stuck with me a little bit. Um,
1: should we do Colorado, Utah, finish the South? Yeah,
0: let's, let's finish the South. So Colorado, um, Favorite offensive player? I really love Philip Lindsay because he's like five eight, maybe, <laughs> and like hundred and eighty pounds, but he runs mean and super tough for his size. He's like built like a scat back, but he runs like Royce Freeman. It's so funny to watch. And then uh, defensively, I like Alouzier. I like their corners, yeah. um, but I think I like Alouzier the best.
1: Yeah, the corners are good, and uh, I, I'm a Shea Fields dude. I like him. He's he's fun to watch. So I'd go with those two
0: guys. Uh Utah. do you like on Utah. Who's their
1: punter? I like him, right? He's, he's, they're ridiculously good. He's awesome. Yeah,
0: their, their punter's pretty good. Their punter's pretty good. Uh, uh you know, I think uh offensively it's hard not to like uh Joe the Williams. Himself. Joe Williams. Yeah,
1: I mean that's like how it's how do you not, you know.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah. Punting, yeah, I think I, I could go I could go with a punter here. There you go with uh What's his
1: name? Is Deck is it Hecker or something? Or no wait, that's the Rams guy. What I don't sorry, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, it, it, defensively I think it's gotta be low loaded, Low Tolele for me. Uh, just such a stud up front. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you it's did, not it's not their longtime punter. But it's it's still, and the guy
1: they replaced from last year, but he's still like leading the nation or whatever, I think, in yeah, punting.
0: Utah. Just they they punt. And then Dimmick,
1: you know, Dimmick with
0: the five sacks and all that. Yeah, Dimmick's really good. He's uh, he's a good one. All right, Cal. Who you got for Cal? Um,
1: what? Who am I blanking on the wide receiver's name? I really like uh, Ch- uh
0: Chad Hansen. That one, yeah, junior. He,
1: he, I liked him. Um, I like Watson and Muhammad as like a, a you know the pair of uh, running backs. But uh Hanson was kind of fun to watch for me for the receivers.
0: Yeah, I think Hansen's my favorite player, and I don't, I don't think I like a single player on that defense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to name anybody, sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, alright, and then Stanford? Stanford, uh,
1: Solomon, whatever, uh, on the defensive side, and, uh. Solomon
0: Thomas, yeah, Solomon Sol- Thomas, or whatever.
1: Yeah, Solomon Thomas. Um, and, uh, is Kevin Hogan still there? I like no, I'm just, uh, they miss him more than anybody, but, you know, McCaffrey is just like the dude, so I'll go with him.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go with, um, I'll go a little off the beaten path. I like Bryce Love um, on offense for Stanford. Um, I think he brings a little something different to the table. And uh, I'll go Solomon Thomas on defense, too. He's just, he's been unblockable at times this year.
1: Harrison Phillips is uh, still there, right? He's he's good,
0: dude. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Uh, nose tackle. Um,
1: Oregon State? Ryan Nall, uh, by far. No. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> dude, If if I, I hope he comes back healthy because if you haven't, uh, you out there, I'm not talking to Ryan, but if you out there have not, watched Ryan Nall run um it's like it's hard to describe it's like a brick wall running um and dudes just bounce off of them um he averages like 7.2 yards per carry which is just bizarre and yeah. stunning because he's not a speedster but he just barrels into dudes and knocks them over
1: i like uh i like victor bolden though too he's he's fun to watch
0: yeah victor bolden's a ton of fun um Again, not a whole lot to like about them defensively, but there's uh, there's some decent offensive players. Um, Oregon, what do you got?
1: I I've just always been a Royce Freeman guy. I don't understand why he's fallen off so so hard, but like just I remember covering him at the Nike camps in L.A. and just I've always enjoyed watching Royce Freeman. I just I didn't expect this to happen this year.
0: You know what's interesting about Royce Freeman? He was a guy that we watched at the Nike camp. What year did he come out? Was it 20? Was he a 2014 signee? I think he was. I think so. It was the it was Nike camp in 2013, spring, uh, like February, late February. And we're all saying, wow, this guy's a freak. And I think everyone was trying to get, I think USC people were, you know, telling, hey, you guys should maybe recruit him. Um, but, uh, nobody really got on him and then Oregon kind of swooped in and took him. But, um, he was kind of under the radar coming out of high school cause he was out in the IE Yeah, where typically you don't see a whole lot of great talent come out of. But, uh, yeah, I know Royce Freeman, longtime favorite of mine. Um,
1: Darren I Carrington think, is, is a, he's a stud
0: too. Yeah. Darren Carrington. I really like, um, there's a lot to like about their skill guys. And then defensively, uh, my dude, Troy die, uh, has been a stud this year for, uh, for Oregon uh one of the few bright spots on defense he's been a great pass rusher off the edge also good against the run um he's he's you know he kind of opened my eyes last summer at the b2g stuff in la um but he uh he's been he's uh, not this past summer but the previous summer um and he uh he uh he's doing some things up there all right washington
1: washington uh i'd probably go miles gaskin like i just that dude's He's awesome. Uh, didn't have a good game last weekend, but I like watching him. Uh, no, I mean, there's other guys too, but he, he would just be my dude.
0: Yeah, I, I, I gotta go John Ross here. Yeah. Uh, John Ross is doing some freaky things to people. Um, and it's, it's not fair and it's not fun for those people, but he is, uh, he is making some things happen. And then Elijah Qualls on the defensive line. Really like watching him play.
1: Qualls is great. I, almost anyone in the secondary you could take and not be wrong.
0: Yeah, if you want to talk into Buddha Baker, fine. Great. Works for me. Um, and then Wazoo.
1: I, this is like the maybe favorite player in the conference is Gabe Marks, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, (laughs) I could, uh, I could get on board with that. Um, I think Gabe Marks is really good. Um, there's so much to like about so many of their offensive skills players, but Gabe Marks, um, is a, is a favorite. And yeah, I mean, look, Luke Falk, former walk-on.
1: Oh, no, he's, he's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's, he's, he's great. But so. Marks
1: has a personality and he's just so outspoken and the fu- the stuff that he does, he's kind of like learns from Mike Leach at press conferences and says some really funny things.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I <laughs> know his interviews this year have been insane and great and wonderful. I enjoyed everyone. All right. So that was our rundown of that. Um Do we have any more questions?
1: Oh, I think there was one more. Okay. So that was, oh, he said, uh. Have you oh, heard, right.
0: There was one more. Sorry. Um, how would you rank the Power Five conferences up to this point this year?
1: I think I'm Big Ten, SEC, ACC, then Pac-12, Big 12.
0: I'd probably go ACC first. Really? And then I'd go Big Ten and then SEC. SEC, I mean, that SEC East is so bad. It's bad. So bad. Um, and honestly, I'm not completely sold on much of the SEC West besides LSU and Alabama. Um, I just I don't know what to make of any of that. Uh, ACC has three pretty darn good teams in Florida State, Clemson, and Louisville, and then they've got a pretty decent enough second tier in Virginia Tech and UNC. Um, so I, I I think they're probably the best. But you could also talk me into the Big Ten. Um, you know, Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State are all very good. Wisconsin's very good um Nebraska's still like what a 2 or 3 loss team. Um so they've got a claim to it. And so I'd go those 3 in some order in the first probably SEC third for me though. Um and then I'd go probably Pac-12 fourth and then Big 12.
1: Yeah. I think Louisville like I they're, they they passed the eye test, but they just don't have a lot of good wins. They got the Florida State win and then like the next best win is like Wake Forest, you know. Um okay. So they got Houston Is it tonight or is that? I think it's tonight, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's tonight. It's going on right now.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Uh,
0: podcast questions. Uh, we got another, we got another set of questions. Oh, yeah.
1: So we said, rank the young Pac 12 quarterbacks now and for NFL futures. (laughs) And they talk about Darnold, Rosen, Browning, Herbert, or a bear, we'd like to say, uh, Brady White or Montez.
0: I love the way this question is phrased because I think there's a big difference between these guys as college players versus NFL futures. Completely, Um, yeah. As college players ranking them right now, I would probably go um, number one is actually tough for me um, because Browning has the numbers, but I think if you're just watching the games, I think Darnold's been better. Um, I'll go one Darnold, two Browning, three Rosen, four Herbert, five Montez, six Brady White.
1: Yeah, I think the easiest one is Brady White 6. We just haven't seen enough, uh.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen anything from him.
1: From, you know. And it, and like, if you want to shuffle around Rosen and Browning and Darnold, like, Rosen's been talked about as the number one pick, certainly before, if you want to talk about NFL futures, but now we're seeing projections of Darnold going high. I've seen projections of Browning going high. So it's, it's hard for me. They're all, yeah. I mean, they're all pretty I, elite guys.
0: Yeah, and for Rosen, the, the, what I'm doing is, uh, I mean, I'm not saying like irrespective of offensive line because Rosen's had by far the worst offensive line of those three guys this year. Um, and so even before the injury, he was not looking particularly good. But I think if you gave Rosen Browning's offensive line or certainly Darnold's offensive line, which has been great this year, um, I think Rosen would have looked a lot better at the beginning of the year. Um, but, you know, we can't judge on hypotheticals based on what we've seen. I think the other two guys have to be ahead of him right now.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah.
0: Huh? NFL futures.
1: And if, do you want to do, go over that? Well, that's what
0: they asked. Okay. So NFL futures, I think you've got to knock Browning down the list because he doesn't have the arm strength. Um, he's not. I don't think he's a super NFL prospect. Same with Herbert. Same with Brady White. Montez, I, I haven't seen enough. I think he's got the arm strength, but we'll see. Um, I think it's more between Rosen and Darnold for the number one spot here, and I'd probably still go with Rosen. Um, I think he's got the tools a little bit more than Darnold does. Um, you know, probably a little bit better arm strength, probably a little bit better ball placement, um, probably a little bit better footwork, pocket feel, that whole issue. Um, but I think that one could be very close and a lot of fun for the next few years. And it's so funny cause initially we thought it was going to be, you know, three years ago we thought it was going to be Rosen or town, Rosen or town right. <laughs> and Ricky town lasted like a month and it's now going to be Rosen, Darnold, Rosen, Darnold. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah,
1: I think I would agree with you there. Um, I mean, I like some of the other guys. Look, we just haven't seen enough of Herbert or, you know, obviously Brady White, not much at all. Um, Steven Montez, uh, he's, I think his future is really bright too. So there's just hard to tell with those guys at this point.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if you're watching fan and you're upset by what I just said, just keep in mind because Browning probably isn't an ideal NFL prospect, he's probably going to be there four years. Yeah. So. You got that going for you, which is nice. Yeah. People are already uh, talking
1: about Darnold leaving after his red shirts for <laughs> a year so. I
0: know. Yeah. Because he has some of those tools. He's got that arm strength. He's got that kind of, you know, build and the feel for it. So. All right. Two, Dave, have you heard any rumblings of UCLA recruits being upset with the current season? Uh, any possible staff changes? Um, recruits being upset? Yeah, not really. Um, it wasn't like UCLA had a ton of You know, top tier recruits. One of the guys that they have is Jalen Phillips, who's basically a UCLA legacy. Um, so no, not really. Um, I think they only have like six or seven commits right now. So I don't think there's much, many guys to be upset. Um, and then any possible staff changes? Yeah, I think for sure. Um, uh, will they all happen? Will them, will there be any? I, I can't say that with certainty, but I think there's a lot potentially on the table in terms of staff changes. I think depending on how this season finishes, especially, you know, if they get blown out by USC on Saturday and then lose the Cal and they finish the year four and eight, I think they'll have to make changes just from so many different perspectives.
1: Um, yeah, you know, just recruits in general, they don't they don't look at games like a fan does. I mean, if you're committed to a school and they're losing, you look at it as an opportunity more than, you know, I can't believe this or whatever. You know, there's some aspect to that, but it's not it's not like they live or die by winning and losing like a fan, more you know than a recruit.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then uh, final question, and then I've got to go because my daughter is requesting me. Okay. Uh, Ryan and Dave, give me your choices for Pac-12 player, offensive, defensive players of the year, and freshman of the year. Oh boy, I haven't thought about this at all. Uh, That's a tough one. Um, offensive player of the year, I'm still going to go. Jake Browning. Could you go, Luke Falk? You could talk me into it if they won the North, but like right now as we stand, I would go Jake Browning. Yeah. Uh, defensive player of the year. I mean, it could be or, uh It
1: could be Dimmick. Cause it, I mean, they're going to have – some of those Utah guys are going to have like ridiculous numbers.
0: Uh Yeah, Dimmick take the sack lead from McKinley after that well, game. McKinley, you know,
1: McKinley could get it too. Uh,
0: I don't think so. I don't think they're going to give it to a guy on a 4-8 team or a 5-7 team. Um, Solomon
1: Thomas could get some talk. Solomon
0: Thomas could for sure get it. I mean Dory's had a lot of interceptions this year. He's had what, four?
1: Yeah, he's had four. Um, but he's
0: also had a couple of lone coverages, notably against John Ross. Um I would probably go with one of the defensive linemen. I think it would probably be one of Solomon Thomas, Hunter Dimmick, or T Karis McKinley. Yeah. Though so I think I think a Washington player would have a decent enough claim. I don't know who you'd pick. Um JoJo Mathis might have been a pick, but he's um, out for the year now. So, I think I think it'll be a defensive lineman for one of those three teams from yeah. Stanford, Utah, or McKinley for UCLA. Okay. Um, and then so offensive player, I'm taking Browning. Who are you taking?
1: I'll go Luke Falk.
0: Okay, Luke Falk, and then freshman of the year.
1: Oh God, uh, that that's included redshirt freshman. Like you could t- you could put Darnold in there.
0: Is that right? Does it? I don't know. If it does include Darnold, then it's Darnold. If it doesn't include Darnold, um, if it doesn't include red shirt <laughs> freshmen, then I could see uh I could see Justin Herbert, maybe. It's been pretty good for he's Oregon. True.
1: He's a true freshman.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's a true. Um I'm trying to think what other true freshmen have played this year? This hasn't seemed like a very freshman heavy heavy year for the Pac-12. No,
1: and I I feel like we're going to not do it justice, and so we'd have to. uh Yeah,
0: we're doing this off the dome, and we're kind of stupid off the dome. <laughs> so, anyway, that's our that's our very bad projections for that. Um, and maybe if you, maybe if you, maybe if we had actually read these questions before we started,
1: <laughs> we gotta looked up a little bit, but uh, yeah. All right, good stuff. Well, go take care of your daughter, man. This was uh, this was our longest one to date, I believe. Hour and 38, out 39 minutes? Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, a lot packed with stuff. So you got six games this Saturday. Hopefully you guys can enjoy. If you're like driving into the Rose Bowl or something, you could listen to this podcast like three times probably on your way into the game. So, uh, <laughs> well, that's David Woods from Bro. I'm Ryan Abraham from usafootball.com. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast of champions, and we will talk to you next time.